0: hello and welcome to paper tuesdays uh, today we're going to bless ourselves
1: yes we are indeed
0: Sorry, we're actually starting the podcast again because <laughs> we have a story this a serious going on a story that i was supposed to keep anonymous but straight away i gave away names so we're going to start again michael what's the story about
1: yeah so last week we were talking about spirituality and in discussing spirituality we took a segue we looked at um uh, cults and uh what was it religious movements back yeah i suppose movements. that's a nice word yeah yeah, yeah that's know, what that's yeah. their preferred term mm-hmm. and well um you know Stephen, still we looked at that mcgill article and we thought yeah well still are they making a story out of nothing yeah. and then and would we still have local knowledge and then we thought well i think this story is the biggest verification of strange goings-on taking place yeah. near us here so someone reached
0: out on. to us after, mm-hmm. after the last podcast about hyde park and so i'm going to try this again now without giving away any names so uh in the early 1880s there was a man no so, yeah early 1880s there was a man a local man who was a blacksmith who had a forge out in Ballyellen. so one day the Pir- irish priest came out and came out to the forge and asked where he lived and asked to speak with him sorry he came out to ballyellan and asked where the forge was and asked to speak with him We were Protestant, but regardless of the religion, the Catholic priest was a very well-respected man in the community and the priest asked if he would do him a favor. As I said, the priest was very respected and he said to him that he wouldn't do anything, oh no, sorry, he would do anything he could for him. So the priest told him that he needs his help and he was going to carry out an exorcism in Hyde Park. So there was a lot of very strange goings on reported around the locality. Alleged black masses and devil worship. Cows were passing blood instead of milk lots of animals having stillbirths, repeated sightings of strange entities reported around Hyde Park. So the priest was to perform an exorcism on the house as the people living there were having difficulties with the alleged activities. So the priest, this man and one other man went into the house. The priest led them into a room that had double doors. The priest explained to the two men that he was going to read the rite of exorcism and once he began he would not be stopping. He told the men that they were to stand in front of the doors and they were not to let them open and under no circumstances were they to let whatever is outside the room in. So the priest began to read the rite of exorcism and things began to go mad in the house and the double doors were shaking as if someone was trying to push its way into the room to silence the priest. This man was a blacksmith so he's a very strong man and him and the other man had to do their living best to keep the doors closed. The priest was able to complete the passage and the house was quietened. This man was stunned by the power of the Catholic priest. But was stunned by the power, so stunned by the power of the Catholic priest after seeing this firsthand. Shortly after this occurrence, he converted to Catholicism and became a practicing Catholic. And that's why I'm a Catholic today.
1: Such a story, crazy, isn't it? Yeah. What do you make it all that?
0: <sighs> well, like, it's hard to believe from someone who hasn't had that kind of experience, isn't it? Like, but then again it's their own perspective and that's what they believe happened and what they believe they saw so who am i to criticize that you know
1: this is very interesting because when i was doing a little bit beforehand i that's the same thing that i came across i was like this is someone's personal experience we can't verify it whatsoever but i still believe that all that happened or whatever i'm but like in now today's culture, it's all you know, we, we need science to back up, or and, and there's no science here really, no, and that's the, the mystery of it, I suppose. Um, but when you say about personal experience, mm. there's some gas stories, right, about exorcisms. Right. Uh, there's this one though, and I think he takes the biscuit. This is Edmund Nangle, and he was a high flyer in the 1660s, Mark. So, right. back then, we think that religion, and uh, I think when you look at the history of religion, you realize that like. People use people were still people. They were pretending to be Protestant, even though they were Catholic, because they needed to be Protestant to keep their lands and their castles. Right. So there was all this going on, and Edmund had that uh, had that dilemma in mm. that he was uh, Catholic, but converted to Protestantism, but remained a Catholic, but was publicly pre- Protestant, privately Catholic. But then again you don't know how what level of religious faith they had or whatever yeah. but anyway there's a that's a long background of this man from Longford in the 1660s and he wrote a book in 1665 a 15 page narrative book right mm. and it was ded- it was a narrative account published about his experience of an exorcism right so it's it's a it's a crazy read um so first of all he thinks that the, he's being uh, he, he believed it was a God-granted illness and he thought he was being tormented for abandoning Church of Ireland uh, faith. But then when he called the Church of Ireland faith, he realised, or like called a Church of Ireland minister, mm. he realised that that wasn't getting rid of the devil. So he called a cousin who was a priest uh, and he did an exorcism. And this the language of what's involved, he said the devil reappeared, he called for St. Patrick, he called for God, and he had the Virgin Mary he saw appear with a pair of scissors who clipped away the the toys and the snares that Satan had plotted. Um, his cousin then performed an exorcism and when he was tied to the bed, whipped on the head and body and he dislocated both his shoulders. Okay? All right. So I... I Uh, The Virgin Mary saved him again, this time by, uh, yeah, she sent a number of, great number of bees and they entered him and they cured him of his ailment. So where did the bees come from, Mark? (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Bees? Bees, bees came in, yeah. Uh, more visions anyway, uh, like I, I took some screenshots from it there last night. Lo then, when Satan saw how likely it was that he should lose one, of whom before he was cocksure, upon the circling over my head, he shoes me a blue beam of about seven, some seven or eight foot long, the edge of it as sharp as a scythe, and backward from it went whirling blue beams, and in the middle of it was his half circle, as if therein he had threatened to place my neck and to chop off my head. He was very good at his language, wasn't he? Like, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So he had this exorcism. He became, I don't know what he became afterwards, Mark. He became a little bit, he, he was taken by the whole experience anyway. But he then led a failed rebellion against the restored monarchy of Charles I. And he, he led a few, a cabal of people, a few people into Longford barracks. And he was the only one who was killed. So Edmund Nangle lived quite the life and really he has only really left us, he, he lived a comfortable life, he had a lot of land, a lot of castle, then he had this big experience and then he led a failed rebellion and so there's very little known about him but that's that's one story I found. What what do you make of that? All that's that's not just a straightforward exorcism. No, this sounds
0: like the QAnon of the past. What's that? QAnon is like the conspiracy theories, the crazy people that believe all this stuff and they said he's starting a rebellion and stuff so i know why that just kind of came into my head yeah but like with exorcisms how because uh, like nowadays there's science behind everything and it's like well yeah. oh, this is the dopaminergic surg- fucking circuit not working correctly or he's low in serotonin or whatever we can describe things very scientifically but how do you scientifically
1: describe someone who's possessed mm. or believes they're possessed I, I don't know the answer, but I did actually try, because I'm on a bit of a young phase at the moment, in that mm. I, I've been reading a bit of Carl Jung, and he has this thing where like he believes that all illness is rooted in the psyche. So right. if we go back and look at what Edmund Angle first thought there, he believed it was a God-granted illness. Mm. So he believed it was an illness. Well, then, if it was an illness, it was to do with the psyche. And then, so I, I just thought that there was a bit of... I could see something in it, something common there, and like how Jung would describe that is that the man is possessed, yeah, and there's a possession of something so um it, it, i i don't i again I don't really have the answer, but I just thought that was another way to look at the idea of exorcism that maybe like obviously religious people believe it as an experience, but it can also be looked at through the psychological lens as a sort of um as a sort of an instance where, the uh, you know, a possession um, that someone becomes possessed by, and obviously he deals with neurosis and that sort of, it, it becomes more, well, in those instances, Mark, it, is not, it cannot be quantified or anything. Like, as you say, it, it's, it can't be determined as scientific whatsoever, I suppose. Yeah. Do
0: you reckon then that could be, like, then just the priests playing to the psychosis of people? It could be playing or do you know what i mean like <clears throat> so I it think could be an insane person and but you're qualifying their beliefs that they're possessed by an external entity when in actuality it could just be mental
1: illness that's a possibility but when you hear accounts of from exorcists, so there are two well known exorcist uh father pat collins is one and then there was this lad from belfast who only died a few years ago canon billy Lendham. he was in south belfast and he was an exorcist for 30 years mm. just an interesting perspective in that he was church verland and uh even though maybe your man didn't need to convert but anyway that's mm. a, a side story um but what, there was something about it. oh yeah well, he's asked directly on that that father pat and he views it all totally in the spiritual lens obviously but that's his belief and that's fine um oh yeah what i the only thing i wouldn't be able to get with that is when you know when an exorcism takes place mm. and there is a guttural voice that comes back yes that like it's very hard to say well that, that the priest is steering that or determining that if it is just a, a someone a priest interacting with um someone that is men- mentally ill so you you don't believe the priest could put on that voice Oh no! But the priest isn't the one that's speaking. So uh, these are all. You'd hear many accounts of exorcism where, like, he Father Pat got advice from a Church of Ireland exorcist, and he this is his technique. So for an hour, he has an interview just with the person who may have presented through a trauma, um, uh, through through some sort of trauma or through some some source anyway of mm. being uh, put down over the years, and so. Um, and some sort of oppression, so it just talks for an hour, a bit of a casual interview, and then at the end, the priest will say, "Do you mind if I just say a prayer over you at the end and sometimes just out of out of them um just being polite, they'll say, "Okay then, mm-hmm. and then, as while he's saying the prayer, as he starts saying the prayer, the person who's interviewing with uh the priest could then start <coughs> mimicking the priest in this really deep guttural voice that isn't. That wasn't their normal speaking voice. Yeah. As if this is the spirit being cleared, almost.
0: Right. And this was, like, a common occurrence across
1: them. i have just... He's not the first... It's not the first time I've heard of something like that. Yeah. Where, like, a change of voice happens.
0: Right. And that will be... That will be the exorcism? Or would he come back?
1: Yeah, see, this away? is interesting as well. Like, um, you you could have... He, The priest said it can happen, he might need to do it once or it might have to be for a few weeks, that there could be layers of repression, is how he described it. Um, well, I'm sure people... Um, that, that's generally... I, I. It's not the first time I've heard of that kind of voice that, um, that can be uh, got rid of and expelled through an exorcism. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I've heard of an exorcism happening locally a right. few years ago. Someone was, they believed... Uh, possessed and i believe it was either the parish priest or the parish priest contacted someone who came down performed an exorcism on it i know no more details other than that Mm. but it's obviously common enough and it's well not common enough but like it it can happen and it still kind of happens because this was during my lifetime
1: yeah Mm. he's been crying out for years that the church needs to take more seriously in that like there needs to be someone in each diocese Mm. um but there isn't um He's written a few books and what I find a bit eerie about it is sometimes he says like, he, he says like things like that. He went to Auschwitz and he, mm. he felt like a sense of evil. And again, this is a personal experience. We can't, like everything he's dealing with and the reason why he's an exorcist, how can you say for truth that, oh yeah, I understand or not. But mm. like it's totally beyond the realm of confirmation and inquiry. It's the same as psychic. Inquiry. yes
0: same same idea there we can't disprove or prove it yes but the stuff the psychic said to us when she was on the podcast was correct yeah for the most part yeah. anyway the other stuff we can't prove mm. so again how do you know how do you not know yeah if you don't have the ability to do
1: it how can you say it's not real yeah but then there's no way of proving that it is no. real um that reminds me actually of uh, this other fella in history that we have father james finity Mm. he seems to be a bit of a character now he was a renowned faith healer and he used a bishop's relics um and one of the bishops the bishop whose relics there were was a powerful political organizer again a glimpse into the past mark where like religion was more associated with you know handshakes and politics and you know political scheming and over trying to overthrow monarchies and stuff like Mm. very very interesting anyway uh, 1662 was a big year father Finity got a pass to go nationwide and he went on tour he attracted huge crowds mark there was even a crush of people when he stopped in Clonsilla near dublin and people almost died but they didn't die Uh, churches disagreed with him and the public was divided so a man was charged to investigate him and anyway they did a bit of investigation but to be honest. he could never really prove that he was a, a faith healer. So. Right,
0: and why, <laughs> and so, why is a faith healer now? Like, what's the difference there?
1: Um, well, what's the ex- difference there? Sorry, he also said... Well, there was another fellow around this time that, in a similar way, he believed in the power of touch. So he would just touch people and he believed that it would cure them. Right. Um, so this is the same type of thing. He would use the relic to bless over someone or the like. Um, is some, does something come up there when you search for
0: it? Uh, no I, wa- I wasn't searching that no I was just searching the um, definition of an exorcism
1: oh yeah go check so an
0: exorcism is uh, it comes from the Greek word meaning binding by oath it is the religious or spiritual practice of evicting demons jinns or other spiritual entities from a person or an area that is believed to be possessed hmm. what are the words of exorcism? bewitchery bewitchment Conjure, delivery, or oh, sorry, devilry, diablery, uh, enchantment, and scrollment. So, uh, one word there: the conjuring. Have you seen those oh, films? No. So there, you haven't seen them. So you don't mm-hmm. know about Ed and Lorraine Warren. No. So the conjure you know about Ed and yeah. Lorraine Warren, uh, the conjuring films, and what were the other ones called? Annabelle. Yeah, Annabelle, and there's The Nun. The shite. Nun, was that? Yeah, <laughs> the rest of them are really good. The
1: Conjuring movies themselves, like the 1st couple ones, are really good. Oh. But Annabelle's decent as well. Annabelle's good, but yeah. But The Nun
0: was just shite. So, Ed and Lorraine Warren were real people. They're real right. exorcists. And they made films about their stories. Okay. And in a common theme across all the films is they show the room that they had in their house of the items that were believed to be possessed. And this is a real room, Ed and Warren. I'll try find see if I can find a photo of the real room. Real room. Um. Oh shit! There is. So. But so like. These were real people, and their stories are real. So they had a, the actual Annabelle doll, and Annabelle was
1: believed to be possessed by an evil entity. So this room there's a lot of weird stuff in it mark what what is this stuff that was part of the occult or like what
0: no they're they're all items from individual cases of possessions oh and the items are believed to be possessed so like the annabelle doll is locked in a glass cage so that it can't get out okay because what was happening with the annabelle doll was that the owners were throwing it in the bin and the rubbish bin or the rubbish company was taking it away and the doll would appear back in their house. I've heard a story here as well of a house in Castletown that someone lived in and they believed their house was haunted. So they threw out, like the furniture kept moving itself, so they threw out a lot of the furniture and they put it out on the front lawn to throw it away the next day and they woke up that following morning, all the stuff was back in the house.
1: My gosh. Gee, that's (laughs) crazy. And then the story of the anchor, of course, with the, the, the teacups on each. Uh, the teacups, yeah. yeah. So
0: that's a, a story from Niall Hempenstahl used to be the head barman in the anchor. He shout, would, out uh, now. shout out Shout out Nile Hemp, who was yeah. supposed to be on the Patreon today. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he was uh, cleaning up one night or something. He put everything away. And in the back, the, there's a stairs and there was a cup and a saucer on every step. It was just him in the, in the pub, because after locking up. It's supposed to be haunted by someone called Ma something. Right. Yeah, she's supposed to be the ghost that lives there. But apparently, yeah. like, this is a, all the bar staff, if you ask them, they believe yeah. Yeah, it's haunted by her.
1: I'd say that ghost is just called Gray
0: and fuck one eye <laughs> <left. It> has <laughs> to be, yeah. I would not be surprised. <laughs> so we can go in a bit to Ed and Lorraine Warren if you like. Oh, for Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Edward Warren and Lorraine Warren. Were American paranormal investigators and authors associated with par- prominent cases of alleged hauntings Edward was a self-taught and self-professed demonologist, author and lecturer Lorraine professed to be clairvoyant and a light trance medium who worked closely with her husband So let's try to find So Annabelle These are notable investigations So Annabelle According to the Warrens, in the year 1968, two roommates claimed their Raggedy Ann doll was possessed by the spirit of a young girl named Annabel Higgins The Warrens took the doll, telling the roommates it was being manipulated by an inhuman presence. They put it on display at the family's occult museum. The legend of the doll inspired several films in the Conjuring universe and is a motif in many others. Another one is Perrin family. So in 1971, the Warrens claimed that the Harrisville, Rhode Island home of the Perrin family was haunted by a witch who lived there in the early 19th century. According to the Warrens, Bathsheba Sherman that's a scary name. <laughs> Cursed the land so that whoever lived there would somehow die a terrible death. The story is subject to the twenty thirteen film The Conjuring. Lorraine Warren was a consultant to the production and appeared in a cameo role in the film. A reporter for USA Today covered the film's supposed factual grounding. I don't think I've seen that one. The first one? Yeah. I don't I don't think I have.
1: Hmm?
0: No. But, like, the Annabelle one is fucking very creepy. like. Yeah. And if this woman is, like, on the set in these films and is part of the production team, like, she's going to be, like, make sure it's kind of grounded in
1: fact. like. Yeah. That's <sighs> mad. I never knew that the family were so connected to the movie. Like, it does, as you say, give, give credibility to it almost, like, yeah. Uh, so...
0: I want to go a bit more into this Annabelle doll just because I've lost a lot of sleep over it. So there's a Wikipedia page for this Annabelle doll. Yeah. So Annabelle is allegedly a haunted Raggedy Ann doll, died in the now-closed Occult Museum. It's housed in the now-closed Occult Museum of Paranormal Investigators, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Annabelle was moved there after supposed hauntings in the 70s. So here's the background on it. According to the Warrens, a student nurse was given the doll in 1970. They said that the doll behaved strangely and that a psychic medium told the student that the doll was inhabited by the spirit of a deceased girl named Annabelle. The student and a roommate tried to accept and nurture the spirit possessed doll, but the doll reportedly exhibited malicious and frightening behavior. It was at this point that the Warrens say they were first contacted, moving the doll to their museum after pronouncing it demonically possessed. The doll remained in a glass box at the Warren's Occult Museum in Monroe, Connecticut until the museum's closing. Texas State University Assistant Professor of Religious Studies and Joseph Laycock says most skeptics have dismissed the Warren's Museum as full of off-the-shelf Halloween junk, dolls and toys, books you could buy at any bookstore. Laycock calls the Annabelle legend an interesting case study in the relationship between pop culture and paranormal folklore. This speculates that the demonic doll trope popularised in the films such as Child's Play, Dolly Dearest and The Conjuring likely emerged from early legends surrounding Robert the Doll as well as from a Twilight Zone episode released five years prior to the Warren story entitled Living Doll. So, in which the character of the mother is named Annabelle laycock suggests that the idea of a demonically possessed dolls allows modern demonologists to find supernatural evil in most banal and domestic of places commenting on the public publicity for the warren's occult museum coinciding with the film release of the conjuring writer sharon hill says that many of the myths and legends surrounding the warrens have seemingly been of their own doing and that many people have difficulty separating the warrens from their hollywood portrayal hill criticized sensational press coverage of the warren's museum and it's Annabelle Doll. She said, like real life Ed Warren, real life Annabelle is actually far less impressive. Ooh. Of the supernatural claims made about Annabelle by Ed Warren, Hill says, we have nothing but Ed's word for this, and also the history and origins of the objects in the museum. The doll was described in Geraldine Brittle's 19AE biography of the Warrens, the demonologist. So there you go.
1: And you've lost sleep over this stuff?
0: Well, over the films, yeah. But that was kind of reassuring.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's the way it's portrayed, the power of it, the 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 independence of it?
0: Yeah, it's just, I think it's just scary films, to be honest. Right. Like, it's the way it's portrayed in the film. And, like, I'm after being turned into a cynic now five minutes ago. I was scared of it. But, yeah. like, yeah, you can sort of, like we were saying last week about, like, the 48 Lots of Power book, you can spin your own tail on anything, can't you? Like,
1: mm. Yeah.
0: Maybe we are being influenced a lot by just stories.
1: Maybe, yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, um, stories and yeah, how they grow legs or whatever. Mm. There's this uh, there's this fella called Malachi Martin, and uh, he's a good name, all right. Yeah. Um, he's from Kerry, and he became a high flying priest with, and he was in the Vatican, but then he left the Vatican and left. No, he didn't fully leave the priesthood, but left the priesthood a bit. And he wrote loads of books, and he was an exorcist as well, mm. but he spread two he confirmed two theories that I was surprised by Mm. two popes in the 20th century were killed were murdered he said right Um, you know there was a pope in the 1960s that um, and there are these are two like googleable conspiracy theories in that uh, there was a pope in the 60s before John Paul and he was about to apparently sign a document that was outing archbishops uh, for supporting, for using the Vatican Bank to use money to support the mafia. So, um, yeah, apparently he was killed. And it would, something would tally with it in that, like, why did he, it was a bit odd how he died only, like, two months into his tenure as Pope. Yeah. Um. And then there was another one in that uh, Mussolini is meant to have killed a pope in the 1930s. Jesus,
0: yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't put past him. No, fuck. So Man, like Epstein. Yeah, it'd be mad, isn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And Jelisai G- and Maxwell or whatever her name is, she went down.
1: Yeah, has she been sentenced yet? Or? I think
0: so, hasn't she? Yeah, she definitely I convicted. No, definitely convincing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I seen yeah. A, a good meme of like a picture of her and Epstein as like a good sign of a good relationship is when you finish each other's sentences.
1: <laughs> oh, <Jane. laughs> Yeah, Tim Dillon has a joke there where he said, "You know, they they were in love. How can you dispute their love?" Oh, <laughs> well, it's tragic. Um, but sorry, on Maxwell, like I don't think it's over there. I think more is going to come. As in, she's going to say, she's going to squeal, or I don't know. It's just. People are too big to local fall. local TDs there. are going to be found out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who was yeah. on the island? <laughs> Who was on the island? I yeah. know the secrets. <laughs>
1: and I'm going to blow that can of worms right wide open. But you'll only do it on our Patreon. On New Patreon. episodes every Friday. <laughs> yeah. This week we'll have Rory Heffron. Yeah, yeah, that should be good. Very
0: a important. listener and a uh, uh, footballer, Wet'suwet's yeah. footballer at the moment.
1: I'm sure he's. Uh, Uh, Many opinions. Oh, I'm sure
0: he's been up all night writing about his
1: thoughts. Yeah. Speaking of writing, Mark, I think this is you know I'm kind of more. I suppose I am. I'm very interested in like say the, the impact of the printer press when we look back at like say that. I, I'm always interested in, like, religion around the 1600s because, right, there was this one religion that we had for 300 years and we're doing fine, we're just doing our own thing in Ireland, nothing going on, not, we're not really caring what, what's going on in Rome, they're too far away anyway. Mm. We just do our own thing, we start our own traditions, we're having a right time. That's mm. what I always got. Then this new religion comes along. You start writing things and you try to read them and mm. now th- these people are different and, okay, do I move over to them? Oh, is there better crack there? Oh, they're giving me soup. Oh... Right? Do I go with them or no?
0: I'm sorry, you've lost me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but like, basically, like the, the the coming of Protestantism or Church of Ireland mm. into Ireland brought with it like the pr- printing press. In that, like, this is at the same like Martin Luther King. It's or Martin Luther. King, do you hear me? <laughs> Martin Luther. Thank <Macon> yeah. <laughs> hell. Martin Luther and his uh, and his mm. 95 theses. Like this is fairly common for history books and all. But like, when you think about the power. Of the printing press this is there was no other books uh being printed beforehand and now pamphlets started being created and you know people could start start arguments where they'd send 20 page letters to saying why the other person was wrong Mm. over things like religion and to see how people interacted with this sort of change that's that's really what i find fascinating
0: Uh, and it evolved into twitter yeah now we have Twitter what's next what's <laughs> next
1: does it have to be faster
0: yeah like is it VR like am I just going to put on a headset and just argue with people <laughs> <laughs> or, and then it'll evolve into no heads I can just sit there and like just start arguing with people in my own head other people yeah that
1: you might get locked up for that yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what do you think
0: I think uh, that's the natural evolution of it like people back then couldn't have saw Twitter coming no. When you first started getting pamphleaf blitz and mass, like... Yeah. Now Twitter is here, we never saw that, and like, what is next? VR seems to be coming a real thing. You can buy gloves now so you can feel things in the metaverse. Wow. Okay. Have you seen, like, clips of the metaverse? No. Like, oh, I've seen people like... Gymshark, I think. Lad was having business meetings. And it looked like the Gymshark office. And wow. The staff looked like themselves. And there was a computer, and there was like a screen and they were pulling stuff up on the screen and talking about it in the metaverse.
1: Okay, so does it make a Zoom call feel realer? Yes. Wow.
0: Way realer and like your man was like showing it, and like he was turning his head and he could like look and like your man was like smiling, showing facial expressions. It was exactly like real life, a meeting, but it was kind of in like cartoon form. And it was the exact same thing. They were pulling stuff up on a laptop onto the screen in a
1: boardroom. Okay. And that's the way things are heading. Yeah, well, Mac, it sounds like the Metaphors could actually work there because Sorry, Rory Heffernan's here now. If you want to focus <laughs> we have there. an audience now. Uh, <laughs> we have an audience, yes. Uh, Rory Heffernan is about to join us for the Patreon. <laughs> a fine advertisement to uh, stay with us for, um, to be with us on Fridays and log on patreon.com forward slash paper chooses. But yes, uh, Love Gory I had a meeting with them and they insisted on an in person meeting. I didn't want to do it at first, but then I thought, no, I'll just go with it. And uh, I have to say, that the difference between a Zoom meeting and an in-person meeting was per- pretty realistic. You could see that, like the discussion and the uh, the analysis would not have been the same over Zoom. But then the metaverse could replace that.
0: The metaverse could replace that. This is the actually the reason that happened was because we oh, again it's our second technical fault today. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, but where were we going
1: with that? I don't know. We started with exorcism. And then we're talking about the metaverse, the metaverse. And then we're where was the metaverse brought into? Uh, oh, how Metaverse has arrived on photo! Like when we go back for five hundred years ago, and people were writing letters to each other saying how one was such an idiot and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even a hundred years ago, remember you sent me that joke on Instagram—the bad in review that a penis got from France and he called him an arse Like, an yeah, yeah. Can i read that? Yeah, dude, that, that was dude. good. But yeah. I want to, I want to go a bit further into the Metaverse now. Oh, well. right. Okay. Uh, okay. So what we're was going this
0: called? Notes. I actually found this page because Tim Ferriss shared something from I sent this to you as well Rory actually the the pianist <laughs> so this was a letter uh, French pianist Eric Satier calmly responds to a bad review he sent three of these obscene letters to a critic in question and was jailed for eight days as a result no so way is, yeah one of the letters he sent to Monsieur Fuckface Pow, famous pumpkin and composer for nitwits lousy asshole this is from where I shit on you with all my force <laughs> eight days he got days for that in jail then he no. just get three days off Twitter. <laughs> and yeah yeah so like uh doesn't joe rogan have like a joke where he says that eventually the way time is going we're just going to be sexless, sexless genitalless robots or aliens in space and we're just going to be able to pick lives to live and we're not going to have any struggle not anything like that we're going to find ways out of any of the constraints of human existence, and isn't the metaverse like kind of the next step into that?
1: Whoa, okay,
0: you can be anything in the metaverse, really. Like, you don't yeah. have to live your life,
1: yeah. Um, right, but but Joe, but Joe doesn't want to do that.
0: I no, I don't, say Joseph.
1: So. so, what, 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 what does he mean? Like, is Joe going to start? Is Joe going to. Old, well, I don't. <laughs> th- I don't think he's going to fight it. Like that he's not going just, to fight. He's it? just trying to
0: predict it. That that's the he's way going he's to society, that society is heading. Yeah. Right. Because we're constantly like people are looking for ways to avoid discomfort, and save time, and make things easier and more accessible. We're just constantly solving problems, and yeah. the more problems we solve, the closer we get to this enlightenment state.
1: Okay yeah but it's, it seems very like someone that's just throwing stones at a gas house or something like it doesn't seem like he's not saying we shouldn't do that he's just saying oh that's going to happen or whatever I don't know I don't know I'm not I, I, something annoys me about that now that's what I'm going to say you, 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 you don't think the you're just against Joe Rogan after the vaccine stuff <laughs> I think well, listen. No, I do like him as such, and like he is a, a pillar of free speech in a time where, like, you wouldn't think that you need a, a, a man in his fifties in uh, on a, in a studio to be a pillar of free speech. But mm. he probably is the whole knee Young debacle. So, no, there is isn't evil. But I don't get how, I don't get how he's saying, "Oh yeah, the world is going awful, and we're just going to." pursue comfort well do something about it Joe do something about it I we don't are... think he
0: says it's an awful thing though I don't think he's Does like he I don't think he has any emotion attached to it I think he's just okay. predicting that this is the way things are going okay alright that okay. like kind of since time began we've been looking for ways to make our lives easier
1: okay and okay.
0: eventually not anytime soon but we will be these globs yeah. of just like no discomfort
1: yeah that's pretty scary isn't
0: it isn't it but, I like, the Metaverse, right, is here now. Right. So you technically, that's obviously going to improve with time. Yeah. And it's going to become more accessible and more realistic. Yeah. And as time goes by, is that not where people are going to choose to live? Instead of being here in your shit body, overweight, and, like, no one wants to ride you. So like, you're going to the Metaverse, and you can be fucking Ryan Gosling. And you now you have things in your hands that you can feel the Metaverse. So you can literally feel yourself being this person. Who's
1: going to choose to be us? will it become alt to like not live in the metaverse? Yeah.
0: You're the only one here.
1: Everyone is <laughs> Who's going in to drink st- the coffee? It's it's just can just you drink be-
0: coffee in the metaverse? Probably, yeah. You can probably yeah, there's going to be ways to stimulate the circuits in your brain to feel things properly in the metaverse and feel emotion in the metaverse.
1: Are you going to go to the metaverse? No way.
0: No way. No way. I'm going to be here by myself and everyone is going to be in these helmets and yeah. I'm just going to go around and do whatever the fuck I want.
1: Yeah, okay. okay. Pickpocketing. And- And are you worried about the future of personal training in the Metaverse? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Career change? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Go into farming or something. Well, if everyone's in the Metaverse, I'm not going to need to buy anything. Everything will be free here. Okay, right. Yeah. 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 Would you enter the Metaverse?
1: Now that you pitched it to me like that. How do you
0: get in? How do you get in?
1: (laughs) Is Where is the Everest? Is it a clock? Is it the back door into that casino uh, near the Fowler? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's that's the, seven. That's yeah. It's the Metaverse. It's the Metaverse. Yeah, <laughs> <in there. laughs> That's it. <good. laughs> I remember uh, Grol Cullen and I went in there once and... Um, yeah, Garod isn't a good man to, for gambling or like he was giving the man money basically <laughs> <laughs> 20 on red I can't believe you were in Lucky 7's once yes, did you win on? Yes. no no don't think so no. Garon has a very funny experience actually of being in Lucky 7's um, it was during the pandemic or something but when the pubs were allowed to open and this drug man fell down the street they were just going out for a nice night and he fell down the street and they dragged him into Lucky 7's they called the guards the guards didn't want to know him the guards were like what's his name does he know his date of birth is he, is he ill? <laughs> so anyway, just an example of what happens in Lucky 7 sometimes. Yeah. Sorry, Metaverse. Uh, do I want to go there? No, the way you've pitched it to me there it makes me angry, to be honest. Does it? Yeah. Me a little bit too.
0: But well, I'm more sure. that, like,
1: we have so much in this world to be grateful for, and I'm going to be grateful in this world rather than any about Metaverse.
0: But sure, isn't that how people, people felt about the cars and stuff originally? It's like, well, I have my yeah. horse. Why do I need a car that's just fucking... Stupid. Mm. Yeah. Same with computers. Mm. Same with the internet. Yeah. Netflix. Phones, smartphones. I don't need one yeah. of them. now. You need one to survive, really.
1: To survive, yeah. Mm. Isn't the pace of change in mm, art?
0: Are we going to need the metaverse to survive? To survive eventually. We didn't need a smartphone originally to survive.
1: Oh, right. Going yeah, be yeah, yeah, things In
0: the metaverse, that are crucial to you functioning properly in society. Yeah. Like your COVID sort of
1: app. Yeah,
0: you're um, <laughs> lot to find ways to make it that
1: way. Yeah. This is the first time in this podcast where I've left met a point and I'm like, I just don't know. Yeah. Um, but what was? Um, How much is the metaverse? I'm gonna look. Well, you can buy land there anyway. You can buy land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people are buying land. Snoop Dogg, I think, is an artist that has bought land there. Uh, but Joe Rogan has Mothland there yet. Yeah, there's
0: real estate agents and everything. I've never seen someone... Oh, like, fuck someone off. Like, <laughs> this lad probably, like, around our age, and he's just sitting at home. He's a real estate agent in the Metaverse, like, making thousands. Yeah. So how much... I would I um... Uh, yeah, Metaverse. <laughs> I, I have <laughs> a great Frank Pierce <laughs> in, in the Metaverse to sell all the houses. So, how much does land cost in the Metaverse? The cheapest plots of the Metaverse land are selling for roughly 11,000. Fortune said, the smallest plots of land in a popular platform's Decentraland and The Sandbox are one-by-one parcels. Virtual land has become a hot commodity as some parcels sell for millions of dollars. Will we live in the metaverse? By 2030, a large proportion of people will be in the metaverse in some way, (laughs) predicts Melanie Subin, a director of the Future Today Institute in New York City. (laughs) Uh, some people people, will use it only to fulfill worker educational obligations she said others will live the majority of their waking hours jacked in
1: that's mad fuck but we're talking about transformation I suppose and like even going to, I went to the Welsh Cup match last week, mm. and there was the man at the gate, and he was using his phone to scan tickets. Mm. And if you had told me when I was growing up, or 12 or 13, when Facebook was only arriving, and you know, adults didn't really need smartphones, that eventually they would scan it, I would have told you to eat your words. Or, you know, I, I wouldn't have believed that that would be the case. Yeah. You know? And yeah. that's a positive change or adopting it, but I suppose we're just going to continue to gobble up this technology.
0: Yeah. What kind of worries me the most about it is like our children Mm. they're gonna spend the majority of their lives in the metaverse possibly not in real life yeah so 2030 like that's my child on the way is going to be 15.
1: yeah but see i think this is the part the part of the thing that is kind of annoying me that like we still have a bit of control here we still have a bit of sorry eight (laughs) sorry Yeah, I'm not your sure maybe not twenty thirty or something now. Twenty thirties in eight like years. Eight years. Yeah, not yeah. fifteen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would do over my head off Yeah. But like it you still have power as a father. Not maybe not to ban the metaverse, but to say to your son, look, lad, our and daughter, it, our yeah. daughter or whatever gender that Sorry. <laughs> they choose to <that>, be. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: anyway um, that they you still have the, the right to tell that individual or not the right but you will still tell that individual look there's better things than that headset
0: yeah but what they're saying like work and educational obligations like are you going yeah. to do your
1: junior cert in the metaverse Jamie. you do have to sit down in the hall well in fairness the junior cert has lost all its value in the <laughs> real world so maybe it'd be better in the <laughs> metaverse <laughs>
0: like, unlock it it's like a cheat code you can get for a junior cert <laughs>
1: the metaverse wow okay okay yeah
0: sure we sure suppose we have to go there now this episode is just going to be called exorcisms and junior cert in the
1: metaverse <laughs> <laughs> how serious did you take junior you, did you cert didn't you just not oh, do anything absolutely not no absolutely not. same with leaving cert same
0: with leaving cert <laughs> yeah I, I didn't do homework since third year and I didn't do much in third year right
1: yeah. but sure look at me now look okay, at you now Flying high, flying high getting yeah. up at seven o'clock or five o'clock each morning or seven yeah. o'clock passes but putting in the work so he is putting in the work is right yeah every every hour god gives yeah. um i don't know where to say. exorcism or personal experience the metaverse is a personal experience we will have personal experiences in the future namaste namaste <laughs> see you in the metaverse